Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I want to thank you for joining me. You didn't have to. You didn't have to click play. You didn't have to select this episode or this podcast. You don't have to follow me, but you did. And I also want to thank you for still being here, for, for choosing to live another day, for, for taking another step into the unknown, into uncertainty, uh, but also towards hope and towards your goals and your dreams and your ideas. The, the fact that you are still here means that you have an opportunity to turn things around and into the direction that you, you want to go. Um, and also that right now at this moment, without all the external things changing, because that can be daunting and overwhelming. Um, But this is also an opportunity for you just to sit with your emotions and, and get in touch with yourself and learn how to exist uh, in solitude without it feeling lonely. So thank you for tuning in to another episode. Thank you for sharing the, the podcast with your friends and other and colleagues and family members, and and thank you for taking charge of your mental health, of being an active participant in how you feel and and how you live your life. Right. If you want one-on-one coaching, go to thrivewithleo.com. That is T H R I V E withleo.com. For those of you who are struggling with transitions. Uh, traumas, tragedies, or if you just want to learn how to listen better, communicate more effectively, uh, and and just nurture your relationships with the people in your life or with yourself, uh, go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching, and let's get to tomorrow together. With that said, let's jump into the episode with Jenny Babas. All right, so I'm here with Jenny Babas, and uh, you are a social media influencer mm-hmm. and writer and 410. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> I'm really tall. Very tall. It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing because on camera, you can't tell really how tall someone is. Right. You can't tell if I'm alone, and it also depends on the angle. I use a lot of low angles to make myself look a little bit you know, proportionate. (laughs) But if I'm standing next to someone, then I'm definitely a lot, significantly tinier looking. (laughs) All right. So I got to ask you this because I have friends who are in that 410 range also. Uh, When when someone hugs you, do you hate when they try to pick you up or you just want them to to leave your feet on the ground? (laughs) Oh, I love being picked up. I love being carried. I love all that. Yeah. Most of my friends who are for it, they hate it. They're like, "Do not pick, do not pick me," and, you know. Well, are they guy? Are they male or female? Oh, females. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm not I was like, "He's a guy." Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but no, I, I love it. I mean, I, I can see why they wouldn't, because it would make them feel shorter. But I just love being carried. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you know, you're a social media influencer. You have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and I'm sure on other uh, platforms. That's one of the followers texting you now. 
Um, oh, you hear that? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I was, I was. That's on my computer. I muted my phone. I was like, that's so funny. <laughs> We're still all learning how what we can and can't do with the technology and how to. It's it's a it's a it's a learning curve for all of us. Right. <laughs> uh, you also just started and are the founder of Yana, which is uh, a suicide. Uh, prevention. Um, I, I, now I realize I haven't even figured out how to say it. <laughs> Yana stands for "You Are Not Alone," and this is bringing yes. awareness to those to suicide and those who are struggling with depression, anxiety, and other mental illnesses. Can you tell us why you you got involved with that? Yeah. So um, my my main thing is that people will take advice. Well, people won't take advice from someone that whom they feel like doesn't understand them. So I'm like, who better to, to listen to than a voice of someone who's been through exactly what they're going through. And for me, it was a personal struggle of, um, attempted suicide multiple times. Um, I've been institutionalized for depression, anxiety, and attempted suicide. Um, so I've, I've really, really, really gone through it, um, you know, and there's just so many people that deal with this every day. And it's um, and it's such a normal struggle that people don't realize is happening because this isn't a disease that we just walk around with that you can see like we're crippled or we're handicapped. Like it's something that's in our minds that's hidden from the public eye. So majority of us who suffer from stuff like this, like no one would ever even be able to tell. Like I could be, I could, like when I was going through it the most, people had no idea because I don't walk around just telling everyone, oh, I'm suicidal today or I thought about killing myself last night. Like no one knows. And that's one of the reasons that I really, really cannot stand trolls or cyberbullying is because they don't realize what's going on in someone's head that they're bullying. Sometimes they put negative energy out, not even caring what that person is going through or what that person is thinking. And they don't know what pushes someone over the edge. And sometimes it just takes a few negative words to someone to, to trigger their mind into thinking like, you know, I don't want to go through this anymore. And that's why you are not alone is so important to me because so many people feel like they are alone and there's so much, so many people that are going through the same thing. So I want them to know that I've been through it and I feel them. I understand them. Um, you know, I've had my own struggle in the past and some of that doesn't fully go away. Um, it's, it's still something that I deal with. It's uh, the suicide. I'm definitely, that's out the window for me. That's no longer an option. Thank God. <laughs> um, but as far as, you know, sulking into a depression, we all, we all feel that sometimes. And, um, it's not as bad for me, but it still gets to the point sometimes where I do feel alone and I do feel like, why am I here? You know? So I just want people to understand that they're not alone and that everyone's going through the same thing. Everyone has their own personal battles and we have to stick together. Absolutely. I said a lot. <laughs> you know, because, and, and, um, and please feel free to, to say all the things that you want to say, because you know, that's the point of this podcast. It's not about me. You know, my, my listeners know everything about me. It's really about you sharing your story because it's in telling our story that we feel less alone. That's why yeah. when we read books or watch TV, TV shows or movies, 
you feel a little less alone. You feel connected with the character. You go, oh yeah, you know, other people are struggling with this. And, uh, and so that's a part of it. So, I mean, if, if you talk for the next hour, then <laughs> by all means, because your, your story is important. Um, you're, you were born in New Jersey, mm-hmm. raised in Texas, um, and, and you're also Filipino, right? Yes. So are you 100% Filipino? Yes, people would never guess that just by looking at me. Um, even Filipinos, I'll tell them Filipino, and they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, pretty sure I am. <laughs> what, now, what are they guessing you as? Every other Asian they could think of, That's like <laughs> Korean. I get Korean a lot. Japanese sometimes, Chinese, Vietnamese, so, everything. <laughs> where you grew up in Texas, I would imagine being a Filipino in Texas, you referred to cyberbullying earlier. Was there bullying for you growing up? 410, Filipino. There's not a, I can't imagine there's a huge Filipino population there. Um, I actually, this is like a joke, but it's not at the same time. Um, so I suffer from what I call UDS, the UDS, which, is, which stands for ugly duck syndrome. So growing up, I could never get a single guy to be interested in me. I would like have my crushes that I would like be obsessed with. And I just, um, sorry about that. I don't know if you hear that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I would, I would be like hooked on a guy and their response would be, ew, ugh, Jenny's ugly. She's short. She's Asian and she needs to open her eyes. They're, they look like they're closed all the time or she sees everything in widescreen. Like I had all of the worst jokes growing up and I could never get a single guy to be interested in me. And it was just like, it was just, it was a lot of bullying pretty much a lot of verbal abuse and like hearing like you're ugly and I would never want to be with you. And you're short, all just all that negative talk. It's just so, it it kind of sinks in with you and you, and you kind of just live with that and it scars you, you know, because I remember crying myself to sleep every night because I was like, I'm just going to end up alone. And I wanted love so badly. And I was like, I'm never going to have like a boyfriend or a husband or kids because no one wants me. And that just felt very unwanted, you know? Um, and so even getting older and like whatever attention or compliments I do get, it's really, it, it's hard for me to believe because I still have that ugly duck syndrome. I still have that mentality of like, not being wanted. So some guys are like, oh, I want to compliment you, but I don't want to give you a big head. You probably get it all the time. And it's like nothing. I'm like, no, every compliment to me is like the first time I'm hearing it. I absolutely love it. And I'm just, cause I'm not used to getting it from back in the day, you know? <laughs> and and did, do you have other siblings that, that who experienced a similar thing? What was, what was that relationship like? Well, my brother, I just have one brother and he's, he's a pastor. My dad's also a pastor. So I'm just in this super Christian, super religious family. Um, so as far as bullying goes, they don't really, they kind of bully me, not really bully me, but they're just, I'm like, I'm like a little, uh, what's it, what do they call it? A white sheep of the family? No, that's not what it's called. I don't know what the saying is. Black sheep. Well, black sheep is like when you're different than the rest of the family. Yeah. You're the odd odd person out. Yeah. Right. So basically for me, I'm like, I'm the little rebel because in the Christian household there, they all expect everything to be perfect and godly and holy. And I'm like the one that's 
considered bad because I don't dress a certain way or, or talk a certain way. And I, and I do certain things that they're not proud of. So I would, I wouldn't say they're bullies, but they definitely like look, they, they frown upon a lot of things that I do. So in a sense that that does kind of affect you mentally. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, with your brother and your father uh, being in... Oh, can we cut that off? Because we can hear the... the yeah, sorry. I'm just... Yeah. Hold on. Um, but I would imagine sorry. if, um, you know, with your father and your brother both being in, in, uh, in involved in a church and Christian and Catholic and all that stuff, uh, there's a lot of shame that uh, you must have felt with that. I mean, even though you're doing your own thing, but there's that, like you said, it wasn't necessarily bullying, but it was like, you know, it was like they were shaming you in, in some form or fashion. Is that what it felt like for you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, and it was worse in the beginning, but I mean, they're slowly starting to get used to how I am and how everything is. But in the beginning it was hard because I felt like I had to choose between like my career and my family because they're they were never going to be okay with it but they obviously now they realize they have no choice and so they kind of just deal with it <laughs> right on and then what about your mom you, you talked about your brother and your dad and, and what was your mom and all did you did you feel like your mom was somebody that you could talk to about what you were going through at school at the time no it's funny because now she's my best friend and I tell her everything, mm. but living with my parents was very difficult because they kind of put me in a cage. Like I wasn't allowed to go anywhere or do anything I wanted to do. And that's really what made me rebellious is because they, I felt like a little prisoner, you know? And, um, because my dad was so strict, my mom was very submissive. So she kind of just, goes along with whatever my dad says. And I had a lot of hostility towards her because she sided with my dad mm. and me growing up and leaving and maturing. I've come to, to good terms with my parents, mostly my mom, but yeah, back then it was really hard. And I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about what I was going through because I felt like they just wouldn't understand. Right. Right. Um, it, and did you even talk to your teachers? I mean, was there any, did you get the school involved? I mean, did, did, were you like the only, uh, you know, minority in your school? Were the, uh, like at least other black people or Latinos or? Oh, in school? Yeah. No, my school was very racist. And they, like, it was, it was mostly white people. Uh -huh. And they didn't like anything that wasn't white. <laughs> so they were not, there weren't, wasn't really anyone I could go to. I mean, there were, there were a lot of cliques because whoever wasn't white kind of stuck together, you know, Asians stuck together, black people had their own little circle. Um, I w Asians actually didn't like me. I was in the black circle and I was the only Asian there. And the Asians hated that because I, because I like, I love everybody. And Asians didn't like that because Asians, a lot of Asians are racist too and don't like anything that's not Asian. So if an Asian was ever going to talk to me, the other Asians would be like, oh, don't talk to her. She, she likes black people. I'm like, <laughs> what? I like everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very cliquish. Um, but I definitely felt very, like, I, I did feel very alone. I mean, there are some friends that I had that um, I feel like I could have gone to. But during this phase, I was in a very unhealthy relationship with someone who didn't even want me to have friends. And 
I feel like every girl goes through a, like a kind of a dumb phase in their life where they stay with someone that treats them bad. Why we do this? I'm not sure, but we all kind of go through it at some point, be with someone that's not good for us. And I allowed this man to take possession over me and tell me I can't do this and I can't do that. And one of those things was you can't have friends. You can't hang out with anyone other than me. So, and I couldn't talk to him about my problems because he was the problem. So I, there, there was literally no one I could, I could turn to. And so for me to feel very alone at that time speaks volumes to people because like they can see that I made it through that and that I really wasn't alone because there are so many people that go through it too. So um, it's really important for people to know that they have a support system and that they have words of encouragement because sometimes that's all someone needs. Absolutely. Just knowing that you have one person in your corner, uh, which is a lot of times why we end up in these unhealthy relationships, because in the beginning, you know, the other person presents as, uh, you know, being a supporter and ally, someone who's aligned with your values, someone who loves and cares for you. And, and you don't realize that they're just they're slowly isolating you from your friends, isolating you from your family uh, mm-hmm. and, and controlling you and, and, and what you're doing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So you feel all alone. It's like they, they kind of create it so that they become the only person or they make it feel they make themselves seem like they're the only person who's there for you. Um, and, and then, so like when they're not there, you like, well, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's, and that has a lot to do with not loving yourself first, mm-hmm. because when you have that self love, then you don't need that. You don't need to look for it elsewhere. You don't need to rely on someone else for your own happiness because you should be happy, you know, with yourself. Did you, so, and I, I, I'm talking about school a lot because a lot of uh, kids listen to this podcast and a lot of bullying takes place in school, especially mm-hmm. cyberbullying. I have, I have friends who have kids who are experiencing cyberbullying, uh, you know, at, at this moment, whether it's uh, verbal attacks, physical attacks, or bullying by omission, where we're just not going to invite you to the, it's like, you know, exclusion. Um, is, is, a, is a form of, or ostracizing is also uh, a form of, of bullying. Um, how did you get through that period? Uh, I know you talked about attempts. Was, was it a start in middle school or high school? What was your, your first attempt? Um, it started in middle school because I moved to Texas from New Jersey. And moving is very difficult when you're a kid because you have your friends and you're, you don't really understand the concept of moving at such a young age, all you think is, wow, my friend, my parents are taking my friends away. They're taking away everything I know and love and have become accustomed to. And they're making me start over completely. And that's so hard. Like making new friends is hard, especially if you're, I'm an introvert. So I'm not going to, I'm not the type of person. I don't seem like it because if I'm on camera, I can act like I have a switch or I can act like I'm not, (laughs) but um, yeah, just starting over in a new school and me not being able to approach people to make new friends was hard. And I went through like this emo period where I'd wear all black and I would, <laughs> it, was, it was just bad. I was just not, I didn't, I didn't, it's like, I wanted to have friends and I didn't at the same time. because I was so angry. So I was upset that I was alone, but I also wasn't doing anything to change that. Um, I think the worst thing that someone can do is really sulk in their 
aloneness. I don't know if aloneness is a word. It's probably not. Um, With it. 2020, (laughs) why not? I mean, let's start making up words. Just wear clothes that don't match. Let's, let's, Let's go. (laughs) <laughs> basically when someone's when when someone's depressed or when someone's going through oh my goodness how did my computer can you see me yeah okay it just it completely shut down almost um basically i'm not gonna lie, i just lost my chain of thought uh we're talking about <laughs> my memory's the absolute worst i have like short-term memory loss um i was talking about in school what, what was I saying? Well, well, we were talking about how you had just moved from New Jersey to Texas and how moving, you don't realize w- what a toll that can take on you. Okay, okay, the struggle. Sorry, I hope you can yeah, cut around all these struggles. <laughs> no, no, we'll leave it all in. I mean, it's the coin, you know, COVID. Oh, Anything no. that goes wrong, I'm like, it's the COVID, baby, what you want, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's something about going through a depression that makes you kind of want to stay in it. It's really, it's confusing because no one's ever going to admit, like, honestly, I, I love, I like being depressed because they, it's not, it's a weird love hate relationship. You know how you can hate something so much or hate or have so much hatred for someone, but really it's because you love them. You hate that you love them. It's kind of like, like a cycle, an unexplainable cycle. So you can hate that you're depressed, but we sulk in it. It's like, we don't do anything about it. We kind of just, we're just stuck in it. And like our mind is such a powerful tool that the more you tell yourself, I'm depressed, I'm this, I'm that, then the more you're going to sit in it and stay in it instead of saying otherwise, you know, instead of like trying to be positive and speak positivity in your life. It's, it's hard when you keep talking about how bad, the situation is instead of looking at the good. And so my, my problem when I was in school is that I was only looking at all the bad and I was thinking so negative about my situation. I was like, I'm just going to be alone forever. I'm going to, and that's not ever going to help you get out of that state of mind. If you keep yourself in that state of mind and keep repeating those negative words, then you're going to, you're not going to be able to get out of it because you're physically putting yourself in this box and you're not trying to get out of it. So my words of advice to kids would be to just to try to think more positive Um, or they could do. So I have these little activities that I used to do where basically um, I would list from one to 10 things that I love about myself and then um, 10 things that make me happy, 10 things that I love to do, 10 people that I love that make me happy. All these positive things, if you write them down, as opposed to just thinking about it, like what makes me happy? Um, Cause that's not really, you're not really focusing on it, but once you have it written in front of you and you just reread that over and over again, you're like, wow, I didn't realize how much good I have in my life, how many good things I have to look forward to things, you know, because it's so easy when we're stuck in our current situation, it's hard to look at all the good that we have because we're so focused on the bad but there really is so much good. And the reason why I want people to realize that the easy way is because the hard way sucked for me. I didn't realize everything I had until I was in the hospital and everything good was taken away from me. That's when I realized when they put you in a box, like a literal box and you have no sunlight, you can't walk or you can't go for a walk down the street. You can't drive. You can't, 
talk to your friends on the phone. You can't do anything because you're put in a box. That's when you realize all the things that you had, all the little things. Like when I was in the hospital, I just missed the sun. Sun is good vitamin D. It makes you happy. And so I'd missed every little thing. Like I was like, I had a comfortable bed to sleep in at night. Now I have this freaking piece of wood I'm laying on in a hospital. You know, it's like, I don't want people to have everything taken away from them for them to realize how much they had. They need to start realizing that now and start looking at the good and the positive things in their life because people do have so much to live for. They just need to realize it. They need to write it down, look at it, acknowledge that it's there. I, I love so many things that you're, you're saying right now, Jenny. Uh, I want to I want to backtrack a little bit. Well, first of all, I always want to re you know restate you talking about writing the ten things that make you happy, the ten people who you care about in your life, and the ten things uh, that you're you're grateful for. I think or that you love, right? Um, and and it's funny because I do that myself. I uh, when I put people in my phone, I put them in as a friend or a fan or a team. Uh, teammates I like to think they have teammates in my life. And then when I, when I'm starting to feel alone, I'll just type in team. And then I'll just see this list of people who I've put in my phone as my, I go, Oh yeah, that's right. I got a team of people who are, you know, I got to, Oh, look at all these friends. You know, I just type in friends and then, cause you know, you, you got like a, a million contacts in your phone as you yeah. go through and you forget who's a friend, who's a, who's a what, um, and then, but the other part is going back a little bit more, you were talking about the struggle of going from New Jersey to Texas. So many people struggle with transition, whether mm-hmm. you are moving cities, whether you're graduating from school uh, or from college or switching, even if you're going from uh, a crappy job to a job that you're looking uh, forward to, even a positive transition can undo you because it, it changes your routine. It changes your location. Uh, you might not be able to see the friends. You, you lose that connection. I, I would imagine like all those things were happening for you. Here, here you are. You're you're leaving friends behind in New Jersey and, and a way of life. And now you go into a place that where you're like, oh, I, I'm not, I don't know if I can make any friends because these mm-hmm. people have made it very clear. Um, <laughs> Right, that that you're not accepted here, and uh, and and that has to be terrifying, uh, you know, for someone at that age. And then you have your family who you feel like you can't talk to them about it, and uh, also school. So it, it it does definitely, I can see how that could put you in a box. Yeah, um, a hard, a really hard thing is just breaking bad habits, mm. and that's an issue with everyone in several different scenarios like relationships one of the reasons why breakups are so hard is because you're stuck in this pattern of habits you're used to calling this person whenever something's funny and um and just coming back home to that person every day and seeing and you know you you have this routine and when that changes we're not we're no longer comfortable so sometimes people will even go back to toxic relationships because they were because they want to be comfortable again, because once you break that, that habit, it, things are different and it's like everything changed and people aren't used to change. So that's, that's really what makes things hard. How did you get out of that relationship? Because, and I, I'm asking this 
because uh, to go back to the depression and wanting to stay in it, I, I realized that like when I'm struggling with depression myself, is that because uh, I'm looking? I have a, a bought a weighted blanket. It's a 15 pound weighted blanket. <gasps> I have one too. Oh my! It's the best. I was like, oh, I would. I don't know if I would have ever left the house if I had this when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but but depression feels like a weighted blanket. Like it it's so hard to to come from underneath, and it's so comfortable. But there's a point where you recognize you need to get out from under it, but it's so heavy. So you're like, mm -hmm. I'll just stay a little bit longer. And it, it's just yes. a self-fulfilling prophecy. Then your muscles start to atrophy and then you can't get out of bed because you've been laying there for so long or your legs cramp, except yeah. but a relationship can be the same way, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've been in it for so long and there's something comforting about the other person because of the routine. Yes. Um, but you know, once you get from up under it, you'll be like, oh my God, I, I didn't realize how uh -huh. down I was and, and how light I feel now, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's something that's so hard for people to get out of because it's just a cycle. Because sometimes once they, even when they do get out of it, they're not fully out. I feel like a lot of breakups and toxic relationships, people think they're out, but they're not really. Like they have like maybe a leg out. <laughs> but it, but they're not fully out. Cause once you're out, then that's when you realize like now I'm actually free and um, getting out. Isn't just breaking up with someone. It's completely eliminating them from your life. Like some people are like, Oh, I don't want to block them. We can still be friends. No, you can't be friends with that person. If you're still in love with them, if they still have a mental hold on you, you can't because that's toxic for your own mental health. And the way I got out of it, um, was the hospital because until that time I still felt like I was trapped with this person. And, um, and you know, like I said, when everything's taken away from you, you realize what you had and you have so much time to think in there, man, you have all the time in the world to think. It was just, when you stare, you don't realize how slowly time goes by unless you're staring at a clock and watching the hands go and you're like, why is it going so slow? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had all the time in the world to just think about everything and think about how he was treating me. And I realized I didn't want that anymore. I mean, I always knew, but sometimes people feel like they need to be treated that way. Not that they want that, but like I said, it's like the depression. It's a love-hate thing. Like you don't want to get out of it because you're comfortable in it and you don't want to feel uncomfortable. Some people would rather be miserable with the person they're with then alone and miserable trying to get over that relationship. And I completely understand that because I've been there. Um, so even getting out of the hospital, I had to block the guy from everything. Um, he even tried messaging me on words with his friends. That's how you know that's the desperation because you have to get on apps, gaming apps to really ruin up, ruin my day. Right, right, right. <laughs> He's trying to spell I still love you with the... Yeah. <laughs> Come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, that, and you know, when you're trying to get rid of someone toxic, all it takes is one message from them to completely ruin your day because it just, it's like a trigger. It's an emotional trigger, brings back all the memories. Um, and a lot of times when we miss someone, we miss all the good and we, we 
erase the bad from our mind because we just want that comfort again. That's right. So when, when you're making a list of 10 things, write down the 10 bad things about <laughs> that person. Yeah, that's a, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, I remember, uh, fun. oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. You remember? Fun, fun fact. Um, the person that actually had me doing, like writing the 10 things was um, one of my therapists that I had. And, you know, anyone that goes through depression, heavy can say they've gone through several different therapists, psychiatrists, whatever, trying to find a good one. Cause it's not easy. It's not like you go to your first therapy session, like, wow, this person really helped. No, some, we, we, there's plenty of bad ones. And I just made a video about that therapist too. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had a therapist that um, had me make a list. He was like, I want you to list 10 things that you love about yourself or your life. And then 10 things that you don't like. And I remember when I was at my lowest, I literally like I left the the love side completely blank. I couldn't think of anything, like nothing, because my mind wouldn't take me there. My mind dwelled on the negative. So when it came to the list of all the bad things, I was like, um, I ran out of line. Can I go to 20? And like, he's like, no, that's not the point. You couldn't think of anything positive about yourself. And I was like, I mean, I guess I like my hair. He's like, well, then write your hair down. And then he's like, anything else? I was like, no, you know, crying. Like, there's literally nothing. And, you know, there's plenty. There's my mom. Like, what? I really couldn't think of anything else at the time because my mind wouldn't allow me to because I let my mind take over my body, take over my everything. Um, so entering the hospital and leaving, my therapist had me do it again. And I came up with 10 things I love so quick. And then things I hated, I didn't even write anything down because <laughs> you can see the positive out of any bad situation. You know, it's so true. You know, our mind plays tricks on us and and that's why it's so important that that we have to do these things every day. I'm always talking to my clients and the listeners about doing a a daily germs. I call it journaling, exercise, read, meditate, self-talk. And you have to do those things every day. You got to move every day. You have to write every day. You have to, you know, you have to read something that, you know, makes you feel connected or nourished or, you know, less alone. Um, and, and meditation is like, it's a practice of like not being afraid to sit with yourself and sit with how you feel and, and knowing that that's okay so that we're not in these uh, codependent relationships. Um, yeah. So tell us about Yada and like, or Yana, you're <laughs> not alone. And like, what is it that, how do, how do people access it? Uh, what, what, what happens when they do, uh, what what do you, what's your vision for this? Okay. So currently it's not where I want it to be because my, you know, to, to have an actual, cause I want a center, I want a de-stress center and you don't just wake up one day and like, I'm going to make a center today. And and it's just there. Like that's not how it works. But, um, the long-term goal is to have a de-stress center and it's kind of like a treatment center, but I want it to be different. You know, because people think of treatment as like, oh, I'm just going to go talk to a therapist about my problems and they're just going to give bad advice and they don't really care. It's just a job to them. No, that's not what this is. This is somewhere, something, a place where people can go and literally just throw all their cares out the window. You know, like if you're on the brink of suicide or you just feel lost and you need to go somewhere and get away, you can come here. And there's a room, there would be a room for everyone's needs. So there's different kinds of people. Um, and people have different ways of coping with things or different things that make them happy. So they would go to a room according to 
what makes them happy. For example, I would have a puppy room, which is my favorite because I feel like there's so many people in the world, not all, but a large majority of people who the second they're around little puppies or little kittens, they just melt. And that's why there's such thing as emotional support animals. My dog is my ESA and they are emotional support because they trigger a part of your brain, like these endorphins that almost makes you feel like you're in love. And it's, it completely takes you out of whatever reality you're in. And you're just like, Oh, it's, (laughs) it just completely takes you out of whatever situation you're in for a second. Kind of like when we're at the movies and we're watching a movie that's really good and we're so in it and we're just looking at like this other person's life and we're like, we dive into someone else's like world and we're taken out of ours for a second. And that's why like movies are so great because it takes you out of whatever you're going through for a little bit. It's a little distraction. And sometimes good distractions help because you could be on the brink of suicide and all it takes is one distraction of something that makes you happy for that moment to make you feel a little bit better. You talked about having multiple uh, attempts was there what was one of the distractions that that saved you that kept you going or or that pulled you back it was it's you every time honestly it was a friend so as alone as I would feel and would distance myself from people someone would reach out at the right time and I think that's God not a lot of people do believe in God but I do because of my, you know, my family, <laughs> but, um, but I do think that God watched over me through all of my, my ups and downs. And every time that I've thought about or tried, there was always a friend that came in out of nowhere. And that's why I think motivational words are so important because they help. And I remember like, well, even recently, um, there are some people that would comment negative things on my positive posts. Like I'll post something like on Instagram, like, Hey, I love you guys. Just know you're not alone. Da, da, da. And they would be like, Oh, she's just doing this to seem like a good person or whatever. And I'm like, they're like, what, what are words going to do? You know, we hear all this motivational talk all the time. That's not going to help our, our bank accounts. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't realize how many people need to hear that they're loved. They need to hear that they're not alone and that things are going to be okay. Because words help. It might not help trolls, I guess, because that's just their thing. (laughs) But it definitely makes a difference for someone to be there for you, for a friend to just be like, you know, because that's usually what it would be is a friend is a friend contacting me during a really bad time because it takes you out of that that mentality for a second. You know, It, it takes you out of like, oh, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, I was about to slip my throat. But now I'm having a conversation with someone. It's prolonging it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? These are little, like, distractions. Absolutely. Yeah, I was in, when I was in Vegas, uh, you know, uh, I was there for a week. Nobody should be in Vegas for a week. It's not, it's not healthy for anyone. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I was in a, in a very dark place. And, and a friend out of nowhere just happened to be in town. And he hit me up like, you want to grab lunch? And I remember sitting at lunch and saying, you just saved my life. Like you have no idea. And so you're absolutely right. Those, those messages out of nowhere. And and for the, for the people who are listening or whoever's watching um, and, you know, Jenny, you talked about being an introvert. The, it's also important for us though, to, 
engage with our friends. A lot of times, because mm-hmm. you know we're feeling depressed or we're an introvert, that we don't reach out to our friends. Mm-hmm. We don't check on our friends. We're waiting for people to check in on us, for people to ask how we're doing. And But we also have to realize our part in it, the less that we reach out, the less that people reach out. And then it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, I've I've been making it a point to reach out to my family uh, on Sundays. I go through the list and, uh, and you know, say hello to, yeah, I have three sisters. and But I'm just realizing at, in my 40s, oh, I need to check in on my friends. I, yeah, I, it looks like they're doing great on social media, but you just never know until you get personal. You really never know, yeah. And, uh, but what I love about you, Jenny, is the sincerity because you know, in your comments, you respond to people. It's not like, you know, some social media influencers, they post something and there's a million comments and you hear nothing back from, but but you are actually, you know, responding, not with just emojis, but with words. I try to, I'm going to, I'm sorry. Can I grab my charger real yeah, quick? Yeah, I, should, charger. I should have done, I should have done that before. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to leave that in there too. Okay, sorry about that. I meant to do it, and then I didn't. Oh, well, okay, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) A whole bunch of maneuvering now. A lot of technical (laughs) difficulties. Plugging it in. Getting a tour of the apartment. This is great. All right, we're just going to have a whole new setup here. Very, Very cozy setup. What's that? Sorry. I said very cozy setup. <laughs> okay. Um, I apologize. That's why I was hoping you'd be cutting. <laughs> um, no, but you know, uh, but I just, I just want to let the people know. Anybody who follows you at Jenny Babas uh, on Instagram, uh, that you, you do respond. So when you're saying that, listen, you're not alone. Uh, not that you respond to everybody. Like that would be uh, insane. Uh, I try to. It's really. I wish I could respond to everyone. Mm-hmm. Not trolls. Though. I want every troll to know that you will not get a response from me at all. I won't. I won't delete either. People are like, "Why don't you just delete?" It? I'm like, "No, I'll leave. I'll leave the negativity up there just so they can see what they're, you know, what they're doing." Because <laughs> right. um, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't hide all the negativity. It's going to be there. So, like, why try to act like it's not there? Right. Um, but I don't give them my attention by any means so they're pretty much just wasting their time um but yeah i try to get to people um it's it's really hard for me to comment back sometimes because my schedule is just crazy i post and i get off that's typically what i do um but then i'll see so many like positive comments i'm like god i want to say thank you to, i wish i could say thank you to everybody <laughs> i wish i could just be like thank you to all but you know people like personalized messages too and i get to it when i can um but yeah, I, I definitely try my best too. I'm not great at it, but I try. <laughs> and, and that's all we can do. And so now at this stage in your life, uh, you know, I have no idea how old you were. We talked a lot about your childhood. Um, and do you, how are you, what's the feeling like in terms of a relationship now? Meaning like, do you trust yourself to, 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 to pick someone and see someone who's healthy? Or are there feelings of like, is this guy going to be like the last guy who seemed so nice? And then, you know, what, what kind of work have you done in that area? Oh, my gosh. Let me just say going through I had to go through all the bad 
to to know what good is. You know, that's why they have evil in the world because you don't know what's good when you don't experience evil, right? And so I'm I'm thankful for the bad relationships that I have been through because you know, I don't have any regrets there because they all taught me something, all of them. Um, and I learned from from all of the bad things. You know, I learned what I what I like, what I don't like, what I'm going to put up with, what I shouldn't put up with what I deserve. And, um, it's to the point now it, they've taught me so much. I, I can't even, I could write a book on all the things I've learned from these relationships. Um, cause I've never really had a good healthy one, but what I learned now is, you know, if I see red flags early, I run instead of ignoring them. You know, for example, if I get with someone and they already show early signs of possibly cheating, I'm not going to stick around. <laughs> if I already know that I can't trust them, I'm not going to stay. Um, so if I see things being an issue in the future, then I just don't waste my energy on it because my time is very valuable to me. And if I'm going to give my time to anyone, then they have to be worth it. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not insanely picky. There's a lot of people who are like, I'm picky. I don't... No, I'm, I'm really not picky. I don't have super high standards. I just, I just want someone to be my best friend and my lover at the same time. Someone who's, you know, who doesn't treat me the way my exes did. And that's not hard. Be a good person, have a good soul, have a good heart. <laughs> and it's important because there's so many people out there whose identity are wrapped up in the car they drive or how much money they make mm-hmm. uh, or the status. And, but if we're talking about being in a relationship for the long term. It's really about kindness, compassion, understanding Mm -hmm. being a best friend right absolutely Uh, those inner qualities so you know for people who are listening who feel like they've lost their because a lot of people have lost their jobs recently Mm -hmm. and aren't making the money they used to make and so they may feel like they can't you know i'm sure like a lot of guys especially feel like they can't find a girl because they're just like i'm not making the money on a girl and it's like but are you a good person yeah yeah and for me and people wouldn't expect this from me either but I don't even care about outward appearance. I have in the past. I mean, we all have, or probably still do. Everyone cares something somewhat about what someone looks like. But I can tell you, I've been with, I've have dated guys whom I wasn't physically attracted to because I just didn't care. I just care about someone's heart and if someone treats me right, you know. And I don't, I don't look at that. I don't look at what someone has or doesn't have. Or I care about our connection together. You know, and so what's your what's your uh, your daily routine now in terms of like your mental health? You said you've been through different therapists. Do you do you still have, you have a therapist now? Do you talk to them once a week, every other week? Do you journal? Like what, what? How do you how do you maintain your your mental health? To be honest, I haven't spoken to my therapist in probably almost four years. Um, I talk to God a lot. And that helps me tremendously. Um, So prayer is really what helps me. And I think the equivalent to that for people who don't believe in God would be, like you said, meditation. Um, But really what helps me in talking to God, which it's very helpful, you know, meditating or praying because it's you not feeling like you have to depend on someone to be there because the whole part of saying you were not alone doesn't mean that like, 
the reason why people feel alone is because they feel like they have to depend on someone and that there's not someone physically there. So they feel alone. But if you love yourself enough to know that you're not <laughs> like you can, you can completely be, you are your own happiness. It's like, like Jenny is what makes me happy. <laughs> you know, um, Jenny makes me feel like I'm not alone because she knows her worth. She knows what she has. She knows all the good things she has in life. And for me, whenever I'm praying, um, what make what helps me is that I'm thanking God for everything that he's given me. It's kind of like the spoken version of what I said to write. It's like, you're acknowledging all of these good things in your life. And that's basically what I do is I'm like, and it makes me emotional, but in a happy way, it's the happy tears when I'm thanking him, like, thank you that I have people that care about me. Thank you. I have a roof over my head. All the little things matter. And people won't realize that when they're really going through something, because sometimes the bad stuff is, it seems to outweigh the good, but you have to realize like, Hey, things could be worse. Things could always be worse. You know? I mean, there's so much to be thankful for. You have clean water to drink. We have water parks. There's people who don't get a glass of water and we play in it. I mean, during Rona, we're not playing in it, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we have so many little things to be thankful for. We have such a thing as FaceTime where we can see people that don't even live in the same state. And we were able to do that a long time ago. You know, there's so much, so many little things that people need to start appreciating and realizing that they do have. So how, how can people reach out to you? How can they find out more about Yana? Pl plug all the things. Um, reaching out, I would say if anyone even wants to, to talk to me. Um, so there's two ways. One, and I'm not advertising here because this is a free app, but there's this app um, called Convos that um, I usually, I'm usually on that app. Basically, I we it's just an app where we can communicate. Um, it's basically, I would ask a question, like a general life question, and they get to engage with me, their thoughts, um, and also slip in there if they want to like ask me a question about anything else. Um, that's a good way to talk to me and you don't have to pay for the app or anything. You just have to download it, Apple, Android. Um, another way if they don't want to do that is through comments. Um, I respond to longer comments quicker than I would to shorter ones. So I guess the more in depth the comment is and the more it gets my attention, um, DMS, I rarely do. Um, if I do respond to a DM, it's because my management picked it out and we're like, Hey, I think you should do this. Um, but I rarely look at it cause it's, it's, I don't have time to filter through the, 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 gotcha. the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to talk about what those pictures are, but I'm not, I can't sit there and try to find good, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like comments, at least you can't send anything crazy, <laughs> nothing too crazy at least. Um, as far as Yana goes, um, I just made an Instagram for Yana, which is Yana Center Official. Um, and I made a YouTube channel for it that I will be posting content on very soon, um, which is going to be a lot of uplifting, motivational content just for people, a bunch of videos that people can watch. And, you know, if they need a smile. And the purpose of my YouTube channel for Jenny is um, comedy just to lighten someone's day. Sometimes people just need a laugh. Laughter is the best medicine in my opinion. Like if you're going through it and someone makes you laugh, that is very helpful for that moment. So I like my favorite comments from people are like, God, I was really having a bad day, but then I watched your videos and made me smile. And I'm like, yes, yes. I want more of that. 
So yeah, if they want to, you know, if they ever want to smile or laugh, they can go to my page. Um, but then to learn more about Yana, they can also go to the Instagram or YouTube for that. I love it. Thank you so much, Jenny, for being a part of this. Last question. Okay. This of all my guests, because I always imagine there's one person who's listening in or watching who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Jenny? I would say, how would you feel, or how, how do you think everyone around you would feel about your death? And I would, I'm, I, the reason why I say that is because suicide is 100% a selfish act because you're not thinking about anyone but yourself in that moment because you're not thinking about how your mom would feel, how your friends would feel, how people that care about you would feel and how you're destroying them by destroying yourself because they don't, they would not want to see you go down that path. And the reason why that speaks volumes to me personally is because the day that I, that I was the closest to death. Um, I just remember my mom running up to me and bawling her eyes out and the words she said to me, stuck with me ever since. And she said, do you know that if you had killed yourself, I would have killed myself. And that is like <laughs> the craziest thing because it's like the person that means the world to you would have ended their life because you wanted to end yours. So my advice to people would be is think about, think about others before you think about doing this to yourself. Think about how this would affect cause a ripple effect around everyone around you, your depression, you ending that would be causing so many more lives to possibly end or be depressed just as depressed as you were, you know? So I would say to think about others before you think about doing something like that. Jenny, thank you so much. Thank you for taking it. Uh, thank you listeners for tuning in. Remember this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you calling the 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-SUICIDE. Or you can always go to thrivewithleo.com uh, for one-on-one -on -one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Jenny. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.